Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for each testimony that was given for answered prayers. We thank you for keeping us safe on the bike ride and also safe on the work that has been started on the side of the building here. And Lord, we just want to thank and praise you for all that you do. And Lord, we're thankful that you're not a God that just gives us what we want, but you will keep from us that which will hurt us or hinder our ability to serve you. Lord, we thank you that you care enough to do things your way, not our way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have the go ye kids to exit there in the center of the auditorium. And let's go once again to the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we may even finish tonight. We have one beatitude left. And uh, a most familiar part of the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe we should have sung, The wise man built his house upon the rock tonight. Uh, That certainly is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. But uh, let's go back to Matthew chapter 5 and just once again take a very uh, brief review here. And verse 2, And he, Jesus, opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, For my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And as we've gone down through the Beatitudes here, we've then taken the Sermon on the Mount and put it into sections in each one then explaining these Beatitudes. And uh, I I hope that you have enjoyed and have learned as we have gone through, as Jesus has completely and very clearly illustrated. uh, If you want to be a peacemaker, judge not. That's where it starts, Matthew chapter 7 there. And don't try to make people understand holy things that are not holy people. Uh, There's got to be a work of the Holy Ghost. I mean, that's why um, you just don't stop and argue with everybody on the street about everything. I mean, there are some people that would not, could not, and do not want to understand things of God. It's not your job to convince that person. It's your job to find somebody that the Holy Spirit's working with already and continue giving out the message and in our prayers ask and seeking and knocking if your heart is not pure how many times i've heard of people 
Oh, all you got to do is just ask God and he'll give it to you. Well, that's not true. Read the Apostle Paul's story in 2 Corinthians 12. He had a thorn in the flesh. He asked God three times and it wasn't just a simple, uh, dear God, take care of this problem. I, I believe the Apostle Paul uh, of all men knew how to pray effectually and fervently and this wasn't just a simple prayer and God said, I'm not going to do it. But I will give you enough grace to go through the time of trouble. You see, being pure in heart is wanting only what God wants. That doesn't happen naturally. That doesn't happen easily. And if you happen to think that you're in that group, that's really good evidence you probably haven't made it yet. It's like that humility thing that is always bounced around there. The moment you start believing you're humble, you just lost it. Uh, You can't possibly have any humility believing that you possess humility. The most humble people, and, and I'll tell you, can we just chase a little rabbit here? There's nothing that makes me more sick than fake humility. How about you? Uh, I mean, uh, just... Well, you know, really wasn't that good. Oh, yeah, so tell me more. Well, it, uh, we just did the best we could. Well, that was a fabulous job. People like that all the time, don't they? And, and that kind of humility, that kind of pride, actually, is what separates us from God. There's nothing more offensive to God than pride. It is the sin that made the devil the devil. And so... We get up there to the peacemakers, the pure in heart, and we come down here and we're going to start on the last. And let's just review these things in chapter 5. The last beatitude here, it's it's, uh, the only beatitude that has actually two different parts to it. It says here in verse 10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now, living in America, it would be... Not impossible, but fairly difficult to be persecuted for righteousness sake. Now, sometimes in a job situation, uh, you have, uh, I knew uh, a man at our home church there in Cleveland. Uh, He had a boss that was stealing from the company. And his job was to, he was the accountant for that department. And the boss came to him and asked him to falsify some records. He refused, of course. He said, I'm a Christian. I'm a servant of the Lord. I cannot do that. And so what his boss did was framed him, set him up, got fired, lost his job, was blacklisted, couldn't get a job in Cleveland anywhere because of what happened to him. And he said, listen, I, I, was, I lost my job because I was doing right. And I believe that God's going to take care of me. Boy, I'll tell you what, I admired that man's faith. Well, I'll tell you at the end of the story, it was before the year was out, there was another family from our church here in Cleveland was going to West Virginia to start a new church. And he said, man, I can't work in Cleveland. I can't do anything here. He said, I'll just move down there with you and help you start that new church. He said, wow, what a guy. Well, I didn't tell you, but 
the man who was fired had a special need son. And, of course, he lost his insurance and lost all of his medical. Along with that, it was a very, very trying time for the family. Find out that that town in West Virginia where he moved to start the church was like the center of the country for people who treated the special problems that his son had. And so God worked the whole thing out so that he could move to a place where his son would get the best treatment that he could possibly get. He would have an opportunity to serve God in starting a new church. I I will tell you, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Don't go seeking it. But if it comes your way, you need to trust the Lord that he is going to take you and... If you suffer in this lifetime, remember something. The kingdom of heaven is yours. You may not own very much here on earth. You may always be the last person in line here on earth. But the Bible says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If I had to choose where I was going to be in line first, how about in heaven rather than on earth? Amen. I'll be on that side of things a whole lot longer than I'll be on this side. And so we need to put things first and understand that that blessedness comes. And if you'll remember when we started this, you have to understand something. That when persecution comes your way for righteousness sake, that means you have done everything in your power to help that person find God, and yet they've rejected him. That's their only response. Why do you think people get so angry when you give them the gospel and they don't want it? You know, if someone came up to you and said, you know, I'm your local Jehovah's sickness, I want to convert you, what do you do? I laugh at them. How about you? Uh, hey, nice try. Wrong guy. I pastor the Baptist church on 35th Street. Uh, not interested. In fact, if you want to sit down, I'll tell you everything that's wrong with your religion. How about that? See you later, sir. Uh, you know, uh, the whole truth of the matter is that someone came... But if you come up, I mean, today is what? Pride Day. Uh uh, I noticed as we were passing out some tracks, there were some people obviously celebrating Pride Day. And man, it was like stinging them with a hot iron. <gasps> I don't want that. It's okay. Give them the truth anyway. Do it in love. Don't go picking on people, all right? But don't, don't be... Afraid of giving the gospel to anyone. But look at verse 11 now. It's blessed are they in verse 10, and then verse 11 is blessed are ye. Why do you think the difference is in verse 11 and verse 10? Well, not everyone is going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. The twelve apostles, eleven of them actually, uh, were persecuted. The Apostle Paul was persecuted for righteousness sake. But I will tell you this, every person who names the name of Jesus is going to be reviled. 
There's going to be people that are going to say things about you that are wrong and evil and designed to hurt you. Uh, there are people that are going to try to uh, hurt you all they can just because they're offended at your Christianity. This is going to happen to every Christian. This is the difference in the pronouns. Not everyone will be persecuted or tortured for righteousness' sake, put in prison, those kinds of things. But if you're going to serve Jesus, there's going to be opposition. We could ask, hey, how many of you have had family members oppose you because you started coming to a Baptist church? A lot of people say, yeah, that happened to me. I remember I had family when I announced I was heading off to Bible college. One uncle in particular just about, you could do anything while you're going to Bible college. Oh, because that's the best investment I can invest with my life. I'm not ashamed of Jesus, and I'm not ashamed to serve him. He's like, you're crazy. Well, if you only knew. Crazy is just the starting point. Amen? And and, uh, uh, let's... But I I wouldn't trade my life for ten of anybody else's. You see, we've got to make sure... That what they say, speaking evil against us, is false, number one. And number two, it's for Christ's sake. Those are the two conditions there for the blessings. And then it tells us that what has happened, what we need to be glad about, is we have joined the group of those that have gone on before us. Think about that. To be considered in the same company as Peter and Paul. Barnabas. I'll tell you, it wouldn't wouldn't hurt to pick one of those guys and just try to emulate them a little bit. Uh, I knew a, a certain preacher. He just loved to preach on Barnabas. And you know what? He preached on Barnabas so much it started rubbing off. Uh, he was always there to, to be... Just a comfort. The word Barnabas means son of consolation. And he was always putting things together and helping preachers out and working through problems. I'll tell you what, he was a very blessed man and I was very blessed to know him. And so let's get back to chapter 7 here. And we're going to pick up in verse 13. And so as we're looking at those that are persecuted and falsely reviled and manner of evil spoken against them falsely, look at verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many be, many there be, which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Could you understand one thing? If you're going to be on that straight path, there's going to be people that stand in your way and oppose you. There's going to be opposition if you're on the narrow way. Why? Because the fact that you are walking on the narrow way is proof that they are on the broad way. 
When you choose to walk and be obedient to the Scriptures, you are convicting people that they're not. We, we live in a world where everybody is supposed to be right. Well, you know, there's just alternate truths for alternate people. Uh, no, there isn't. Truth cannot be owned, cannot be held, cannot be controlled by one person or one group of people. You do not own truth. I'll tell you, one of the things that I'm kind of enjoying about the presidency uh, of, of Donald Trump is the fact that the media and, and the liberal press and all no longer control the entire conversation. Because the president of the United States is tweet, 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 tweet. What a bunch of knuckleheads. And I'm sitting there going, yes. Uh, that, that is such a nice thing. I, I just enjoy that. I hope you are, and I hope you're praying for him. Amen? You, you pray for that man. He has gotten more done in the first few months of his presidency than has been accomplished by any U.S. president since Ronald Reagan. Uh, it's amazing what, what is going on. How many of you have seen the picture on the cover of Time magazine of the little girl crying? How many of you know the truth? That little girl was never separated from her mother for 10 seconds. It's a fake picture. It was a real picture. But it has nothing to do... And the photographer that took the picture said, Well, I just happened to listen to the interview on the radio. This is what he said. Well... They're using the picture. That really wasn't a child that was separated from mother. But, you know, I'm really glad that it's brought a lot of sensitivity about the issue out when it had absolutely nothing to do with it. He was glad that people were lying about his picture and using his picture to lie and demean the, uh, the president of our country. I'll tell you, we, we live in a world where... It's Pride Day. Guess what? The Broadway and the wide gate is being glorified. And those that want to walk on the narrow way is contemned and hated. You need to understand something. It's worth the effort to stay on the narrow way. It is the greatest endeavor of your life to enter in at that straight gate. And to walk that narrow way. Why? Because that is the path that Jesus has provided for us. And regardless of the persecution and the opposition that you face, the blessings for being on that narrow way cannot be compared because you can change the path, but you can't change the path where the path takes you. You can choose which path to be on. But you cannot choose where that path is going to go. And you can't change it. If you're on the broad way tonight, I want to plead with you, no matter how much fun you're having and no matter how much you think you're getting and how much you have gained in this world, the Jesus said this, if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul, what have you got? What have you been profited? Blessed are they 
which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and speak all manner of persecute you and speak all manner of evil against you falsely. Stay on the right path. It's the difference between eternal <coughs> eternity with God. And eternity separated from God. Now, don't misunderstand. You can't lose your salvation. But I'll tell you what, you can lose everything else. What's the next step? What is the next part that he says here? Verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. We live in a world of false prophets. The Bible says they come in sheep's clothing. Can I ask you a question? What do sheep wear? Uh, Their skins, amen? Uh, But yet, uh, how many of you remember the cartoons when you were a kid and the little coyote was trying to catch the sheep and he put on the, the wool and climb up there and the sheepdog was always there to pound them on the head and all that good stuff. But we live in a world full of liars, do we not? I mean, the Marlboro man is there to make you masculine, right? And uh, what is it? Uh, Virginia Slims are there to make you feminine. Is that it? Now, both will put you in the cancer ward and kill you. Uh, don't don't listen to what the world says. Uh, there are so many people out there just talking about, well, you can be rich and you can have this and you can never be sick and you can... How about just staying in the straight, in the straight gate and the narrow way? Amen? Uh, that's what the passage is talking about here. Verse 16... Ye shall know them by their fruits. Now we have examples in hyperbole here. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. You need to pay attention to what is really going on in this world. You see, Jesus has given us a path. And if you've ever taken the discipleship, we have a lesson on knowing the will of God. And part of that lesson stresses this very point. Where is this decision going to take you? Is it going to bring you closer to God? Is it going to help you seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Or is it going to move you a little further away? Uh, you know, how many times I have sat with people and they've said, Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I, I need this better job. And I'm, I'm sitting here going, I'm, I'm with you. I would, I'm, I'm praying that God will prosper you. 
Better job means better tithe means better offerings. Hey, we're, we're for that around here. We're not against that. But here's what I'm against. Is if that better job is going to take you away from church, that re, those results are not going to be positive over the long haul. Look at where things go. Look at what it produces. If you want to have a a study on something, study what the Catholic Church produces in nations where it's in charge. The poorest nation in Europe at the turn of the last century. Italy. People were leaving by the droves. My grandfather was one of them as a 17-year-old boy. Lived in a cave, literally. Didn't own a home. Got to eat meat once a year. Wonder why after he came here to uh, settle in Pennsylvania, started raising a farm, there was meat on the table every meal and and I was too young to really have enjoyed all the all the blessings there, but If you didn't eat thirds, he was like, what's wrong? You don't like my cooking? And if you ate thirds, what are you doing eating me out of house and home? I mean, he was just having fun. He was enjoying the blessings that are here because what he had in the old country, he could never, ever have gotten there what he had here. See what it produces. How many prosperous countries are there in the world because of the religion of Islam? How many great universities have they built? Oh, by the way, how about the communists? How much great technology has come out of the Soviet Union or China that wasn't stolen from somebody else first? Brother Zach's nodding his head up and down. He used to live there. He knows. Where do you get the best medical treatment in the world before Obamacare? Where is it going? Socialism doesn't solve it. By their fruit, she shall know them. Do you know where Karl Marx got his ideas for socialism? How many people know? Got them from the Bible. He read in there in Acts where everybody took and gave it to the disciples and the disciples distributed to everybody and everybody had what they needed. He said, that's the kind of life I want to live. Everybody gives me what I need. In fact, if Karl Marx's friends hadn't come over and fed his children, they would have starved to death in his own home while he was writing his books. That's the kind of pervert Karl Marx really was. He was an evil evil, wicked, selfish man. All you had to do is read the next two chapters of the Bible and find out that because of human nature, that doesn't work. It didn't work in the church. That wasn't ordained of God. I'll tell you what is ordained of God if a man doesn't work. Shouldn't eat. By their fruits ye shall know them. Look what it produces. Ask the hard questions. All these guys that came along 
back in the 60s and told the parents that you shouldn't discipline your kids and that children will grow up right without parental intervention. They all changed. Dr. Spock died denying and, and telling you everything in his book was wrong. The, these people do not solve problems. They only create them. By their fruits, ye shall know them. By the way, if you've ever raised fruit trees, what the Bible is saying here is so very true. We had an apple tree my dad bought at a nursery, spent quite a bit of money on, wanted to have apples in the yard. And I'll tell you what, there was something wrong with the tree. The first year it produced apples, it produced these little tiny wrinkled up things with big lines in them and you couldn't eat them, you couldn't do anything with them. And so my dad even went so far as to get a branch of a really good tree and to cut it open and graft it in and graft in a good branch. And we got one good apple off the branch he grafted it in and nothing else off that tree ever grew right. But a good tree produces good fruit. You know what? A good tree doesn't produce rotten fruit. It's not designed to do so. And we need to understand something. Not only should we be aware of false prophets, but we should trust God if we stay on the narrow road that we will receive the proper fruit for the efforts invested in serving God. Can we say amen to that? That's what he means. Blessed are ye when men... Let them speak evil. You keep doing right. That's where the blessings are. And then we come down to the last one here. And it says in verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So already we have two groups here. We have the group that say, Lord, Lord, and the group that obey the words of God. Again, in the context here of this last double beatitude, It's not what you say. And by the way, as we look through this passage, the people that we're doing right aren't protesting anything, are they? They're not there explaining. I've I've always wondered, and I really believe there's got to be a connection here somewhere, in, in the ministry, you've got two groups of people. You've got the group of people that sit around and write books about things. And you have the other group that get out there and actually are doing something. And it's amazing how many of the book writer group always end up grabbing a hold of some weird schism or ism and, and moving away from the simple truth. I don't believe that God really designed us to have enough time to sit around and write books as much as he wants us to just simply serve the Lord with our lives. I'm not against writing books, but I will tell you this. I know a whole lot more perverted book writers because it's down in print 
than I do simple, humble servants of the Lord that have gone wrong. When you just serve the Lord with your life, that's what counts, my friend. And people are going to oppose you, and people are going to step aside, step, try to step on you. But as we look through here, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Very simply, preachers. And in thy name cast out devils. Oh man, turn on TBN. They, they do it every day there, I guess. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Then while I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see, if you really want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to know Jesus. But more importantly, He needs to know you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and what? They follow me. The world will oppose any person who wants to serve the Lord. But so often the opposition we face in our lives is not because we're serving the Lord. It's because we're tired and frustrated with the world in which we live. There's a difference, my friend. We, we need to serve the Lord. If we're going to suffer, if we're going to be persecuted, let it be for righteousness' sake, not because I've got a bad attitude with all the politicians. If we're going to serve the Lord, if we're going to be spoken evil of, let it be because of Jesus' sake and not because of our own. Can we say amen to that? And if we're going to do that, guess what? We're going to have to stay on the right narrow way. We're going to have to watch the fruit production here of who we associate with and understand that in that process of fruit production, there is some time here. And we can expect the right fruit if we'll invest in the right tree. Amen? And then that last one, let's not worry about what we're going to say. Let's worry about what we're doing. And then Jesus ends this with the story of the wise man and the foolish man. And we don't need to spend a lot of time on this. Here's the thing. Both of them heard the words. Everyone has heard the words. The only reason you lose sight of heaven is because you've rejected Jesus' offer of salvation. And as a Christian, the only reason you lose rewards is because you've turned your back on God's grace that is sufficient to keep you serving Him no matter what goes on. It's a whole lot difficult, more difficult doing building right than it is just slopping something together. You know, the difference between professional and non-professional is a professional knows how to cover his mistakes better. Isn't that right? Um, Listen, let's 
make sure that we're building on the... This is Jesus' final warning. He said, if you listen to me and you do what I say, when the storm comes, your house is going to stand because it's founded on a rock. By the way, who's the rock? Jesus is. Amen? You have no foundation... You're going to move. You can't stop it. You cannot keep something from moving that is not attached. I'll tell you, during the storms and things, there's many parts of our country that have outlawed trailer parks. You know why? Because during tornadoes and floods and these things, the trailers are picked up and turned around and floated down the river and all kinds of terrible things happen. Don't be the one that only hears. And we finish it with two verses here. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished. Now look what it says here. At his doctrine. Now what is Doctrine. Doctrine is what we believe. Doctrine is what we believe enough to practice. Doctrine is what we do not compromise on. Why were they astounded at Jesus' doctrine? It was because of his authority. You know who Jesus used as the final authority for what he taught? It has been said of them of old time, but I say unto you. That's what shocked them. You know, these people, the scribes here, were all the time looking for some authority to prove what they say. And I'm not against studying the original languages and all this, but I'm not going to come into the pulpit here quoting uh, uh, Thayer's lexicon versus Moulton and Geddon and all of these other tools that are out there and River Briggs and Brown or whatever they are. Hey, I can read them, I can study from them, but that's not my authority. My authority are the words that are right here because they belong to Jesus. And we need to understand that this Sermon on the Mount was given at one setting, less than an hour from start to finish, if you read it, I think you could probably read the whole Sermon on the Mount, 40, 50 minutes. If you read extremely slow. and And yet, Jesus established here the standards of righteousness for His kingdom. He established what being blessed and having God's blessing on your life truly is. Where it comes from. What it looks like. Study the Sermon on the Mount. Because that final warning is attached to for you and I. We will either be grouped with the wise man or the foolish man. You cannot be in between. Nobody had their house halfway fall apart. It either went splat. And the ruin of it was great, or it stood. You've either accepted the authority of Jesus and are moving at his direction on the narrow path through the straight gate, narrow way, 
or you're traveling with the multitude and destruction is going to be the goal. There, there's no half, half measures here. Either Jesus knows you and you know him, or you're just playing games. I tell you, we need our Christianity to be real. And all God's people say, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight before we enter into our time of prayer. And Lord, so much information. And we spent 15 weeks here going through the Sermon on the Mount. Well over 15 weeks because it wasn't all in a row. And yet, Lord, there's just so much more that we need. And we're asking that the Holy Spirit would instruct us. And help us to stay in that narrow way. Lord, that we would see those levels of blessings obtained in our own personal lives. Not for our satisfaction and our betterment, but Lord, for the enablement to serve you more. Work with us, Lord. Help us. Give us grace to be your servants. And, Lord, that one day we would walk those streets of gold at your bidding and be your servants to behold your glory and cast those crowns before your feet. Lord, I pray that no one in this room would hear those words, Depart ye from me, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. Lord, we ask that you would give us grace to get past ourselves in the deception and the self-deception that we so willingly embrace, that we may be the true servants of Jesus Christ. If you have any other prayers to add to that, we'll take just a few moments in the silence here, and then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.